Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and pick winners. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an all-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Chicago Sports Betting Show. Touchdown, Ohio State. There are some folks who are celebrating and others who are saying, you've got to be kidding. You kind of know what I'm thinking about. Over or under? Under would be the key word. Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Saturday mornings on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. It feels like every week I'm starting with the latest sports gambling stories of the week. Just recapping them. And here's a few more. MLB teams are sending the lineup card to the commissioner's office before they go public. Why? Because the MLB commissioner's office is going to send them to a sports book or sports books. Last year, remember, baseball signed an agreement with MGM Resorts. And this week out in Arizona, Cubs president of business operations, Crane Kenny, appeared on the McNeil and Parkin show. Crane mentioned that the Cubs are looking at a second broadcast in the future focused on gambling and analytics. So I always say it, but if you guys dig shows like Early Odds and another one starting up on Monday, on the four-letter network with our guy Joe Fortenbaugh. They are here to stay, and they're going to be everywhere. Even if you aren't a gambler, just hoping that you can walk away and just learn something. So continue to stay tuned for more developments on sports betting stories every Saturday morning, 8.30 a.m. on Early Odds, and I'll continue to tweet them out, share them, at Joe0670. It's that time of the year. Next weekend, Selection Sunday, So Eli Hershkovich, a name you might be familiar with, he works here in 670 The Score as a producer, but he's also writing every single day for the Action Network, actionnetwork.com, covering college hoops. You can follow him on Twitter by his name, at Eli Hershkovich. Eli, this is awesome. We've got the smaller conference tournament games rolling and uh, with the Big Ten coming up this week. It's fantastic to finally have uh, daytime college basketball at this point in the year. Obviously, we've been waiting for it since the non-conference tournaments over Thanksgiving, and March is finally here. Let's go. Got all these futures with monster numbers. Can't wait till uh, I find out where my futures will be going up against, where the, if they're going to be in the same regions or how that's going to play out. Before we get to a couple of the conference tournaments, we've got some big games today. 5 o'clock, Chapel Hill, Zion got hurt the last time these two teams played. It's Duke, North Carolina, 
So do we have to look at this as two different games, a game with Zion and then handicap a game without Zion? If Zion doesn't play, the line's probably going to be closer to five or six. If Zion does play, the line's going to be closer to one with Duke being the dog and UNC laying just that single point. But Duke's defense has had issues with and without Zion in the lineup. They're giving up the highest two-point scoring rate in ACC play with and without Zion in the lineup. So Duke's interior defense has struggled a ton in terms of giving up baskets near the rim. And UNC burned them in that last game, shooting around 65%, a lot of that coming in transition. And where Duke also struggles without Zion is transition defense because they look lost against UNC the last time. Cam Johnson and Luke May tore them up for around 60 points combined. And those are two of the best bigs in college basketball. So you could say, well, Duke ran into one of the best front courts in the country without Zion. And with Zion, like I mentioned, Duke's defense, interior defense, has not even been as productive as one would think. I know Zion Williamson is worth four, five points to the line, but with the amount of talent the Blue Devils have, aside from him, in most games, they're still going to have the two, three, maybe even four best players on the court. Not today, but I'm saying most games. It's a little surprising that they're struggling as much as they are without him. As far as the NBA draft goes, it's showing his impact. Exactly. And he's going to be the number one pick regardless. R.J. Barrett could go off for a three or four game stretch here where he takes over. And if if Zion, for some reason, decides to not come back this season and R.J. Barrett has a huge ACC tournament, it doesn't matter. Zion Williamson will be the number one overall pick. He's already established that. But you're right. Duke has struggled considerably. And going back to the Wake Forest game earlier this week, Wake Forest stuck around in that game because of their ability to battle Duke on the glass. So Duke struggles with teams can match up size-wise and then can push the pace or play at a slower tempo and get offensive rebounds. Wake Forest had double-digit offensive rebounds in that game, and that's been a struggle for Duke to keep teams off the offensive glass, especially without Zion. Let's say Zion's out. Is North Carolina on play? I think so. I think you play them at about five or six. If Zion is out, even with Duke being, a lot of people say, well, they're going to get the majority of the money if they're a five or six point dog. That could be the case, but UNC has been dominant at home this season against the spread. So I would still think you're going to get a good chunk of the money on UNC. And whenever he does return, you're not expecting him to be full go, right? You would work him in a little bit slower. So yeah, I would look to North Carolina, but watch the news with Zion Williamson. And tonight... We have another matchup of top 10 teams. This is great. In the Big Ten, Michigan at Michigan State. How do you read this one? An underlying part of that Michigan State win, they won by seven or eight on the road in Ann Arbor. A very impressive win. Cassius Winston controlled that game for Michigan State on both ends of the floor. But what impressed me the most about Michigan State and what didn't about Michigan, again, a very minutiae part of the game, but Michigan State's ability to hedge on ball screens and rotate back. So when I say that, we're talking about their bigs with Nick Ward out, Kenny Goins, and Xavier Tillman coming up at the top of the key, bothering the ball handler. So you're essentially trapping the ball handler for a second, getting him out of his rhythm, and then rotating back to the big that you're covering. Michigan State did a heck of a job doing that. That frustrated Michigan's offense because a lot of their offense's pick and roll was Xavier Simpson. Michigan, on the other hand, struggled to do that. And they have slower bigs, especially their center in John Teske, really struggled to hedge and then rotate back. And Michigan State got a ton of pick-and-roll action with Winston and Xavier Tillman and Kenny Goins on that. It's impressive 
for Michigan State to have done that in that one game. We talk about spots, and this is a prime revenge spot for Michigan. No, they're not coming off a bad performance. They just played extremely well in the second half against Maryland, but their event spot from playing poorly in the second half against Michigan State the last time around, they scored beyond the two Jordan Poole threes over that last stretch of the game. So the final 15-57 of that first game against Michigan State, they scored 11 points. That's how bad their offense was down the stretch against the Spartans. This time around, I expect the three-point shooting to be a key in, in getting your revenge in this one, and I would take the dog. I would get the points, or you can bet money line too because I do like this revenge spot a ton. Michigan is the second-highest scoring rate from the perimeter. They did not shoot well in that first matchup. Second-highest scoring rate from the perimeter in the Big Ten play, I should say. So that means where the majority of their points are coming from, it's from behind the arc. Michigan State gives up the fifth-highest scoring rate from the perimeter. It's a, it's a credit to John Beeline's system where Xavier Simpson is now all of a sudden making shots from deep. Man. Jordan Poole, yeah, all those guys. Uh, Iggy Brasdakis was hitting shots. I hate how he does the money symbol with his fingers after he was hitting a bunch of shots against Maryland. But this team has a, a, a tremendous amount of three-point shooting that I think bounces back on the road in East Lansing. It feels like a yearly event. Both of these teams, great coaches with Beeline and his O. This is the time they really start to turn it on as we get closer to the Big Ten tournament heading into the NCAAs. I'd push back a little bit on the revenge spot. I understand where you're coming from. But the other angle is these two teams fighting atop the Big Ten. It's just uh, who's going to come out at at the very end for the seeding. And then you have the conference tournament going on. But in-state rivals, too. So you could say revenge spot, but both sides are going to be up for this one. And it's it's tremendous. This is one of the best rivalries in college basketball that isn't talked about enough because no. it's in the Midwest and it's now on the East Coast. So the four-letter network isn't going to cover it. But we haven't talked about Cassius Winston's impact enough on Michigan State. And I think the big matchup in this one is going to be Xavier Simpson against Cassius Winston. Because Winston owned him in the last matchup and Xavier Simpson has owned him in all the previous matchups before that. If Zion Williamson is worth four or five points to the spread for Duke, Winston is worth three or four. The guy's been that good, one of the best assist men in college basketball, one of the best three-point shooters from that point guard position in the country. So if you're looking for a matchup to watch for, I think you're going to get also the revenge spot for Xavier Simpson after Winston owned him on his home court. Eli Hershkovich in studio with myself, Joe Ostrowski, here on Early Odds, Sports Radio 670, the score inside the clubhouse, top of the hour, 9 o'clock, Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. All right, let's go to the Big Ten tournament. It kicks off on Wednesday. So we have two Big Ten games today, four tomorrow. So we don't know what's going on. Things are so tight throughout the standings. We don't know where teams are going to fall. We don't even know the four teams that are going to be playing in Wednesday. We just know it's going to be the four bottom seeds, and then we've got four games on Thursday, four on Friday, and you move into the weekend. It's a ton of fun. But the Big Ten tournament, where we sit right now, are there any teams that you really like, especially some teams that should have some value. I'll give you an ish with these odds. Sure. Penn State is going to be 20 to 1 ish to win the Big Ten tournament title. Indiana, 20 to 1 ish. And then Maryland, 8 to 1 ish. Ish. So a lot of ishes as we run through here on the potential sleepers in the Big Ten tournament. Starting off with Penn State, playing a lot better over their last five or six games. They obviously blew up Maryland, who I just mentioned. They beat Michigan at home. Played really well against Wisconsin last weekend on the road. I actually had them covering that one, getting seven and a half. Lamar Stevens is one of the best forwards 
not only in the Big Ten, but in the country. And and Penn State is also shooting the ball a lot better from deep. They're defending the ball a lot better as well. Their on-ball defense has been tremendous, hanging around with a elite defensive team in Wisconsin on the road. Yes, they've been down a little bit. I'm talking about the Badgers, but it's tough to do in Madison regardless. We saw what Iowa, and don't get me started on Iowa, what happened to them in Madison on Thursday night. Oh, Fran McCaffrey. Big Fran McCaffrey fan, I, I lo- One of my favorite people on the planet, clearly. Hate him, 100%. But they might miss it, right? I don't think they miss it because, right. But the interesting thing is, I, I was talking about this earlier in the week with some with some college basketball guys as well. If Iowa didn't win all those lucky overtime games, where they come back against Indiana, they get the off the backboard crazy, shot, crazy stuff. Yeah. It's insane, and the fifteen point comeback against Northwestern from the state with three minutes to go. But give them credit too, because it happened. You can't say because it was so amazing that it didn't happen. They're also getting a, a good chunk of the whistle, but I'm not going to go there. Iowa could have did. their the Hawkeyes could have their luck. Just did. I will go there. I will call it Iowa every day of the week. So back to Penn State. There's some value there, twenty to one, because they could defend and they have one of the best players in the conference who could take over. Okay. Now over to Maryland at eight to one, and then I'll wrap up with Indiana going out of order here. Maryland at 8-1 to one to win the Big Ten Tournament title is an interesting value play because we both have them at 125-1 to one to win the NCAA Tournament Championship. So people would say, well, if you have them as your national title future, why not have them to win the Big Ten title? Turnovers have been a huge problem for Maryland. Anthony Cowan and Eric Ayala. Ayala has been a tremendous freshman for them in terms of ball handling, but Cowan and him have struggled to decide on who's going to be the primary ball handler on a possession-by-possession basis. They have two of the best bigs in college basketball in terms of a tandem in Bruno Fernando and Jalen Smith. So you like what they could do there. You like what they could do on the glass. They're top 30 in overall rebounding rate, and they're also 25th and 24th, respectively, in adjusted D and adjusted offense. So those metrics look good on paper, but they've taken themselves out of so many games by turning over the basketball. Let me also add on Maryland that in a 14-team conference with Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue in there, 8-1 to one feels awfully short, even though I'm big fans of the Terps, and I hope they can keep moving on in the tournament. I'm not betting them at 8-1 to one either. So here's where the value really lies. Penn State, 20-1-ish, still has that value. Indiana at 20-1-ish also has that value. Ish. We're talking about... Five straight wins against the spread for the Hoosiers, and a lot of people had high expectations. Some people said, take them 30-1 to to win the national title to begin the year. I said, wait on this team. I'm not saying I'm the only person that said that, but we needed to see Romeo Langford, the five-star freshman, along with some of these other freshmen, come together and play well. Rob Finnessy, their freshman point guard, was out for an extended period of time with a concussion. That guy is their best on-ball defender. Shut down Cassius Winston on that final possession to sweep Michigan State in their regular season series last Saturday. So you like the guard play. You have a takeover guy in the tournament in Romeo Lankford, and you also have one of the best bigs that hasn't been talked about because Indiana was on a ridiculous stretch where they lost 13 to 14 games in Jawan Morgan, who is an inside-out freak. Not the biggest guy in terms of physical stature, 6'8", about 220, but he could shoot the ball from deep. He could play on the block with the best of them and, and bang down low. Also, Deron Davis gives him two bigs that you could play in a two-big lineup. So Indiana has the makings of a team that's found itself at the end of the season and can make a run in the Big Ten tournament. 20-1 to 1 is really good value, I think. All right, so a couple of 
teams that should be somewhere around 20 to 1 with Penn State and Indiana. So watch out for the value there. Eli, today there are nine mid major conferences with tournaments ongoing. So some of these teams playing today that you could see making a run in the NCAA tournament. Next Sunday when the brackets are out and people start writing teams down a couple times, you have to pick some sleepers that are going to win a couple of games. Give me some teams that are playing today that could make a run. So Wofford is playing today, and about 300-1 to you can get him at to win a national title and hedge on that, hedge an opportunity, or to just get to the Sweet 16 if you're just filling out your bracket. I had a chance to talk to Fletcher McGee, who's their best shooter and one of the more underrated players in college basketball in terms of perimeter threats, and Mike Young, who's one of the best play callers in college basketball, being able to run all these sets and screens for a dynamic three-point shooting team. They also have a really good big down low in Cameron Jackson, so it's not just a team that shoots a bunch of threes like Davidson did, like a BYU did with Jimmer Fredette. This team has floor spacing and a big that you can get it to down low to create some offense as well. Wofford has the eighth highest adjusted offensive efficiency in college basketball. So you could say, well, the defense is above average, but can it get them to a sweet 16? You need elite defense to win in the Final Four. You don't need elite defense to get you to the Final Four, get you to an elite eight of Sweet 16. I like Wofford a lot, and you could still get good value because they haven't won their conference tournament just yet. All right, great stuff, Eli. I'm going to bug you, grab you in studio. Throughout March Madness, can't wait. Once we get the brackets all set next Sunday, it's going to be loads of fun. As we get ready for the tournament, I don't call it the first round on the Thursday. That's the first round, just so you know. Follow me on Twitter at Eli Herskovich. He writes for the Action Network at actionnetwork.com. The Super Contest is the largest pro football handicapping contest that you're going to find in the world. Last year, it had 3,123 entries, and the winner walked away with $1.4 million. It is $1,500 to sign up. That sounds like a lot, but it gives you action for 17 weeks. You can go in with a couple of buddies. Now you're talking about 500 bucks for the year, and that comes out to less than 30 bucks a week. Uh, someone that has played in the Super Contest over the last four years, I'm telling you, it is well worth it. We now welcome in on Early Odds, Matty Simo, to talk about the Super Contest. He's on Twitter, at Vegas underscore Matty, his website, Football Contest. Dot com. Matty, uh, from the Chicagoland area, how you doing, Matt? Good, good. Yeah, everything's kind of uh, getting busy here. March Madness just around the corner, which is uh, the main reason they started uh, taking entries four months earlier than usual. So normally July 1st is your your first sign-up date for the Westgate Super Contest. And um, Jay Cornegay and his crew over there decided to open up a little earlier, try to get some more people. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to work out pretty well. We've, we've already seen over 20 entries in, in the contest through the first week or so. And, um, yeah, I mean, I expect it to – just uh, go a little nuts when the uh, March when the tournament actually gets underway in a couple weeks. Yeah, the number of entries increases every single season, and now I can go out to Vegas right now, visit you, and sign up for the Super Contest, and I don't have to go when it's 110 degrees exactly. out in exactly. Vegas. Every time I go sign up, that's the conversation. How many entries are we going to get? What is the yep. top prize going to be? You pass that million-dollar threshold a couple of years ago. It only seems to get bigger and bigger how high is it going to get this year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to top 4,000 entries. So, um, wow. you know, when you look at that, you know, you're pushing, like, close to $2 million for the grand prize, which would be pretty awesome. 
Um, a lot of people tend to be intimidated by the winning record. Finishing first is, is definitely uh, uh, a tough task, as you well know, Joe. Last year's winner, 59-25-1, uh, hitting 70.2%. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that seems ridiculously high, which, which it is. But what I try to tell people is don't get intimidated by, by trying to win the contest. Try to finish in the money period, which they do pay out the top 100 places. And if you could kind of set that as a more realistic goal and put yourself in a position where, like, the last two or three weeks you're either in the top 100 or pretty close to it, you're going to give yourself a chance to, you know, to make a good run at it. And um, the pressure is just something that you don't want to put on yourself because I've seen it uh, melt people down the last month of the season, the last <laughs> week even. Uh, we had the, the guys who finished tied for second last year, pigskin junkies. And uh, they went two and three the last week. They didn't have a losing week, I think, until week 16, something like that, 15 or 16. So you're talking about going three and two or better every week until then. And then they had like a losing week two of the last three weeks or something like that. But they went two and three. All they had to do was go three and two in the last week, which doesn't sound too difficult. But, you know, they finished a half point behind the leader and that cost them a million bucks. So that's uh, that's one of those things where you know I don't think the pressure really got to them. They just kind of were uh, holding on to their their last pick was on that Sunday night game, and they had the Titans over the Colts, and that uh, that cost them you know cost them a million bucks. So they ended up cashing with over four hundred thousand dollars, but they could have had you know over one point four million instead if they just would have gotten that one pick right. Yeah, no, I've been there. My first super contest, <laughs> I was in the money going into week seventeen, and there's quarterbacks, yeah. but how much are they going to play? It just exactly. kind of messes with your head. And it was a five figure decision. I totally, <laughs> I sucked it. I went one and four, and then I was knocked out of the money. But it is well worth it. People always ask me on Twitter, Maddie, how do I sign up for the super contest? How do I get a proxy? Who's a good proxy? Uh, tell people how to get in contact with you. Yeah, just uh, go to footballcontest.com. We've got all the information you need about the different contests. There's another uh, great contest in town, too, that opens up sign-ups today, which is earlier than you, they've ever had before. It's called the Ultimate Football Challenge at the Golden Nugget. Aaron Kessler, another fellow Chicagoan, um, he works down there and helps run that contest. It's college and pro sides, and you pick seven games a week. It lasts all 17 weeks. It's a $1,000 buy-in. Um, so that's something you want to look into. And we've got information that um, that contest is on our website. You can also follow Ash Football Contest on Twitter. But, yeah, I mean, with the Super Contest growth, a lot of people worry about the growth of it getting getting too big as well. And it almost turns out to be a lottery situation where that, that's where I think uh, having individual contests might, you know, eventually benefit people more where they can jump into one in their own state and not have to feel like they have to hit like 70, 75 percent to win. But um, we'll see what happens. I mean, there's a lot, uh, a lot of stuff that they're they're working on, and uh, yeah, we're looking forward to. Uh, we're already we're already signing people up, and we I, w- I want to see if if they can get to a thousand before July first. Matty Simo, he's still rooting for the Cubs and Bears. Just does it out in Vegas on Twitter at <laughs> Vegas underscore Matty. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. Also, big thanks to Eli Herskovich for talking some college hoops. If you missed any of this episode or a previous episode of Early Odds. They're all on 670thescore.com, the radio.com app, and your favorite platform for podcasts. Next here on The Score, Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel with Inside the Clubhouse are guests, Cubs reliever Steve Ciszek, Sox prospect Nick Madrigal, and Joe Madden's agent, Alan Nero. 
I'm Joe Ostrowski, and I'll talk to you next Saturday at 8.30 a.m. here on Early Odds. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.